welcome to the Extension Experience podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Extension Experience Podcast. I'm Dana Zook. I'm back here with Heather Buckmaster, the Executive Director of the Oklahoma Beef Council. We recently talked about just the general Beef Council stuff, but I thought it would be interesting to have a discussion about consumer demand, um, maybe how COVID has changed things, talk about what some more things about what the checkoff has done to promote beef in those times. So welcome back, Heather. Thank you so much. Yes. Good to be here. Let's start out. um, Let's talk about demand. So demand is really a straightforward term if you just think about the word. But when we talk about the demand of a product, is it just buying from the grocery store shelves? It's not, but... So tell us a little bit about that, Heather. Well, I think Dr. Peel says it best when he says um, the beef industry is one of the most complex industries. And so when we think about beef demand because it is core to our checkoff programs. I mean, our goal is to strengthen beef demand, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, when I just look at it very simply, it means how much product are people willing to buy at a particular price? So obviously when we're working to strengthen beef demand, it means that people are willing to buy more of our product at a higher price. So that's what increased beef demand means. And so we want to strengthen it. For me, strengthening is is more of like we want to uh, create a, um, a demand that is really strong against all challenges. Mm. So even if we're, you know, if there's a local radio report or a local, you know, television report, that consumers still feel very confident in the safety and the nutrition and taste. And so when you think about beef demand, you know, obviously if we can't do anything about the prices of poultry and and um, pork, which are competing proteins, um, but we can focus in on do product consumers think our product is safe? Mm-hmm. Um, do they think it's nutritious? Um, do they think it's a good source of protein? Do they think it's versatile? Do they think it's affordable for their families? Those are the factors that we focus in on. And then are we you know, providing them the options they want? For instance, we know Oklahoma consumers want more recipes. So what can we do to make sure that we're providing that to them and that we are that source of it? So beef demand is, is I think a lot of times it gets mixed up with consumption. Like people are like, oh, consumption numbers are down. Well, consumption is just really a function of supply. It's, you know, how much product is available in the market, mm-hmm. divide by the population, and that's your per capita. But whether or not people are willing to buy our product at a higher price, that's what, that's strengthening beef demand. And, and beef demand has been very strong. Yeah, and I will say in the grocery stores, beef is pretty expensive. The prices have really went up, but you're saying that the demand is still there for the, the product. The demand is still there for our product. I think it was interesting um, coming through that COVID time period when demand just went off the chart and you saw those, you know, photos of the grocery stores, Mm -hmm. the meat cases being cleaned out. People are cooking at home. And what we're seeing from that is they are cooking from home more than what they were. I don't know if you can say what post-COVID is, but they're cooking from home more today and they're buying beef. You know, one of our challenges is we do a lot of, you know, work, um, cook one, dine, dine twice, 
lots of ground beef recipes because consumers are looking at how they stretch their beef budget. We have mm-hmm. a steak swap piece that talks about, okay, if you're going for this cut of beef, but this one may be a little bit less expensive for your family, um, here are the swaps that you can make and still create the same recipe. So if you can't get that cut of beef, you can find something different. Yeah. And I would say from, I mean, I'm a 34-year-old Mom. woman, mom with two little kids and, and that make once, use twice, you know, those things... And I think I'm a millennial. Am I a millennial, Heather? Yeah, I think you're a millennial. Yeah, born between 1980 and 2000. You're a millennial. So I'm a millennial. I'm probably not the traditional millennial, but I know people my age, you know, they they do struggle with that. I'm going to buy this $20 steak, and what if I cook it wrong? And so that's kind of what you guys do. Yeah, we do a lot of efforts. I'm... Oh, you know, if you go to our Beef and Salt's Renner YouTube channel, our websites, we have lots of directions and cooking information. The advent of YouTube has been wonderful for us from a beef industry standpoint, because I remember when I started working for the checkoff more than 20 years ago now, the complaint was that kids today aren't taking home ec, family and consumer science classes. They're not taking, they don't know how to cook. They don't know how to prepare beef. And YouTube has really opened it up to where I don't know how to do something. I'll go on YouTube and figure Mm -hmm. out how to do it. I laugh because I went on YouTube one day to figure out how to cut up a grapefruit pretty. (laughs) Yeah, the National Grapefruit Association had a video on how to cut it up pretty. But we find that one of the most searched terms, because we obviously track all this, one of the most searched terms for beef is how to grill a steak. And if you go on YouTube, there's a ton of options on how to do it people learned about cooking in slow cookers Mm -hmm. they really pushed that out but the bottom line is today we have women are working and and they're outside the home and so they're looking for those easy options and so it's it's really about making sure that we're providing um, those options for family and that's one of the things we do with the beef Mm -hmm. checkoff I think some of it is like a little bit of an inspiration like I've talked about in previous episode I go on there for some inspiration get some new ideas and and I think like you said especially during COVID you know we were stuck at home even after we were stuck at home, you know, you go back to that comfort food. My mom used to make roasts, like roast is a comfort food, or you just want stuff at home. You don't want to have to go out to eat. Not necessarily because of COVID, but maybe because I have two kids. I don't want to go out to eat, but you know, you just want some of those options. And so that's, that's really cool. So the Beef Council does some market research about Oklahoma specifically. Yes, um, we have, because we're part of the Federation, they do um, nationwide every quarter they're doing going into the field with research qualitative quantitative research and so we have the option um we do it twice a year because it you know Oklahoma consumers don't change that much Mm -hmm. Um, but we do it twice a year to go in and we're looking at their perceptions of beef their perceptions of beef compared to other proteins compared to meat substitutes we also look at their perceptions of how cattle are raised what are they looking for? What it does is it helps drive our programs. So we know, for instance, in Oklahoma, consumers want more recipes. They want to look at how beef can be more versatile. Um, those are important. So that helps guide it. We also know that they want to know more about beef production. But more than anything, they want recipes in Oklahoma. Yeah, we're cooks more in so, Oklahoma. Yeah, we're cooks. They want to know it more than the average U.S. consumer, which is interesting. Yeah, I think it's we're fun. We're all about the food, I guess. Yeah, we're all about the food. <laughs> we're all about the food. Um, so weekly beef consumption in Oklahoma is higher than the national average. We would expect that. Um, overall perception of beef and um, production perceptions are more positive than the U.S. That's what I would expect. Interestingly enough, though, one of the questions come in, like, what is your knowledge of beef production? 
and the Oklahoma consumer ranked lower, which I was a little surprised at that because usually the more people know about beef production, the more they are really knowledgeable, the more positive they are. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting. But just overall, you would expect Oklahoma consumers to feel more positive towards beef Mm -hmm. farmers and ranchers. And and the research shows that they claim animal treatment and beef prices are the most important to address the topic of sustainability. Mm. And so they link the affordability of beef to the sustainability of beef. Which kind of makes sense. Like, is this priced so that I can continue to feed it to my family? So that's kind of an interesting way of looking at sustainability. And then animal treatment is a big, much bigger than carbon emissions um, and the way they view sustainability. So that's one of the reasons I think our Beef Quality Assurance Program is so important. I mean, last week we were doing a media lunch and learn with media in Oklahoma City. And we talked about the Beef Quality Assurance and animal care. and, And that was just something... Once we knew that's how the consumer is thinking, we're going to talk about Beef Quality Assurance Program and how important it is to the beef industry. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know about the Beef Quality Assurance Program, which most people, we hope to, it's an educational program for producers, anybody producing beef. We do it for kids, right? That's kind of cattle, my... Cattle kids, cattle kids Care Program. Yes, we do it for kids. We do it for producers. It's, you know, we renew. It needs to be renewed every three years. We present updated research and, and just how to do the basics of animal care and that sort of thing. So I guess we've got a little ways to go as far as the Oklahoma consumer. Well, I guess we've got to tell our story. Yeah, right? well, and that's what we know. And when we look at the research, they're always great about providing us recommendations. And our recommendations basically say, hey, beef consumption is already high in Oklahoma. Um, so the best thing we can do is to continue to highlight beef's taste and health benefits to encourage consumption. Um, and while they have an overall very positive perception of beef, continue to provide new recipes and new ways to provide it, to serve it, to cook it, um, will help maintain those positive perceptions. And so, um, you know, we have a new series right now called um, um, Dinner is Served. That's Oklahomans that are showing their favorite dishes, how to prepare them, and then it connects to their story. So we're sharing the story too. Mm-hmm. So it's I call it beef, it's bloggers, it's dietitians, it's ranchers sharing their favorite beef recipes. And it's more, as you said, aspirational and inspirational in the preparation of it. Yeah, and it's not just a recipe posted. It's it's the background. It's relatable. Yeah, it's very relatable. And uh, there are some great recipes um, that are featured as part of it. Yeah, so that is on what website? That is on youtube.com slash Oklahoma Beef. Okay. Or you can go visit our website and it'll connect you over at oklabeef.org. Okay, so now that we talked about a little bit about promotion and how that goes on the consumer, it is really relevant to talk about the beef checkoff and the 35th anniversary this year. Absolutely. It is the 35th anniversary of the beef checkoff, and it's kind of hard to believe it's been around. It's been the same dollar per head for 35 years. Mm-hmm. I look back, and I've been doing this for over 20 years, and there are key moments when I think the beef checkoff just really paid great dividends for the industry. You know, issues management, I always kind of say, is the best story you've never heard about the beef checkoff. And if, when we look back on that BSC, our first case of BSC in the United States, every other country in the world, it was a complete disaster for the cattle industry. And we actually saw an increase um, in beef demand the first quarter following the announcement. There was a news report from one of the cable news stations that said what looked like certain disaster for the U.S. cattle industry wasn't because one of the most coordinated PR campaigns ever. And I that was, I mean, that was the beef checkoff that laid the foundation for it. And, um, I, you know, it, it absolutely laid the foundation. So from coast to coast, we're all working from the same plan. What Oklahoma, mm-hmm. California, 
New York, we're all working from the same plan in coordination, working with USDA on that on that first case. Um, the development of new cuts of beef. Um, I shouldn't say new cuts of beef. Obviously, the animals yeah. have changed. You know, when we did all the muscle profiling research and we were able to identify cuts from the chuck and round, which had greatly decreased in value at that point in time um, for new steak cuts because consumers wanted steaks. And so that's where you get like the development of the flat iron steak, for instance. My family's favorite. Your family's because favorite. Because we, we feel like it was invented in Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> University of Nebraska, yes. absolutely. University of Nebraska and University of Florida did that first, mm-hmm. um, that did that research project. Um, Dr. Uh, Chris Calkins, mm-hmm. yes, yes, and I'm trying to remember the gentleman in Florida, but okay. um, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, the flat iron steak, second most tender beef cut, and we were grinding it or selling it heavily discounted as a you know multi muscle roast cut, and so the the flat iron steak, excellent example, um, and then also the development of heat and serve beef products. Mm-hmm. Um, because That's quite a story. It is a great story because we were working with um, we were literally the companies that started a lot of the like heat and serve. You can microwave this pot roast in seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Those companies were small and just didn't have the bandwidth to get into these major. They didn't have the advertising, even some of the testing. We even did testing with them to make sure their instructions were correct and would work in different microwaves. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing that's the kind of work that we were doing because we knew that consumers needed this product the average millennial um well it wasn't millennials then but the average mm-hmm. you know they needed quick eat and serve and so literally I almost kind of felt like begging the retailer just try it we'll do two skus we'll put all the promotional dollars behind it you know i remember thinking it was a big deal to get two products in the in the meat case and other retailers being so resistant, like this isn't gonna, I remember like, Heather, this isn't gonna work. The consumer's not gonna buy it. I'm like, we feel like we, our data, the research says that they will, and this is what they need. And uh, so we were doing television, radio campaigns just to try and push the product. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, jump forward a couple of years later, the category manager for the same retailer said, Heather, these were the best things we ever did. And we're so glad that we now have all this in the meat case. Mm-hmm. So now you go into grocery stores across the nation and there's a whole section devoted to heat and serve in the meat case. I know the checkoff did that. Um, then we move forward into today and 2014, we moved to 100% digital marketing at a national level. And that's been a big move for us. And honestly, there's been a very positive move because we can very we can cost efficiently reach consumers and we can re- target consumers today in ways that we couldn't target 20 years ago. When we do a targeted campaign in Oklahoma with YouTube, it's like two cents a consumer to get them to watch one 30 second video. Mm-hmm. And when I w- we were doing advertising, I remember the Denver market um, 15, 17, 18 years ago, a spot on the number one show in America at the time was $25,000 for one 30 second spot. That was 17 years ago. And that was one spot that was only hitting Denver. And then we didn't know specifically, we knew it was high 25, 54 women, but are we really hitting? Mm -hmm. And so now with YouTube, we only pay if they actually watch it. So much more cost effective. Oh, 100%. And if we can think back on how technology has changed just from a TV standpoint in those amount of years, like it's no wonder that we have gone that way. It's just, you know, goes to show you just the difference. Mm-hmm. So we've come a long ways. Absolutely. We've come a long ways. Yeah. In 35 years. And I think it is a success. I know it's a success. It's done a lot for the beef industry, whether you can really tangibly see it or it's behind the scenes, you know, safety. We don't think about that. We've talked a little bit about that safety talked about consumers talked about you know lots of different things to increase demand for beef and so that's our goal and continues to be our goal yeah 
Well, thanks, Heather. Thank this you so much. This has been a great series, but I appreciate you taking the time. Tell us again where they can find the website. Any information on the Beef Checkoff, um, recipes on raising beef, um, oklabeef.org. And then we encourage you to follow our social media properties. Mm-hmm. If you're on social media, Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest. And then we also, YouTube's big. It's all our videos. We encourage people to go see them. If you want to learn more about the Beef Check Off, we have a great video yes. series. And that's Oklahoma Beef Channel, youtube.com slash Oklahoma Beef. Okay. Thank you so much. So she gave you all the links there. If you're interested in other things, of course, you can talk to your county extension office. Any of the programs they have, we have a great relationship with them. And, and so um, we will cut it off here, Heather. And thank you. we'll catch everybody next week. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with the educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.